Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founders, business leaders, and even enterprises that are changing the game. We call them the disruptors. You might see them as your mentors or maybe even your colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover, so we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs that are really making a difference and making the world a better place. Hi folks, so welcome to Parlay Me Power Players podcast. Today we have some very special guests on the show. We are talking the business of filmmaking, which is one of the most competitive industries on the planet, I'd say. Uh, With some years, a mere 1% success rate, that's right, 1% success rate of budding directors actually make it onto the international scene. So I think it's high time that the Hollywood system, for all its shiny stars and bright lights, looks perhaps behind the curtain, so to speak, let's call it that, and into how to ensure the industry stays lucrative, successful, and most of all, appealing to encourage both new and diverse talent. So if there is any industry that nurtures the who you know and not what you know mentality, it just might be Hollywood. And as filmmaking, the whole process has diversified and international filmmakers have been welcomed onto the stage with the Oscars recognising some incredible international filmmakers. As a result, Hollywood is slowly, but not that fast, but slowly, uh, no longer perhaps the centre of all things movie making. So today we will speak to some visionaries, and I call them visionaries because they truly are. They're really reinvigorating what it is to make films and the actual entire Hollywood filmmaking experience. So they want to make it an even playing field for all those involved, and not just those that we see on the silver screen, but also those that work behind the scenes as well. So the pandemic has seen streaming platforms skyrocket and this desire for on-demand content only increase in the coming years. So what awaits Hollywood on the other side of the pandemic and in a blockchain-driven world? Yes, that's right, blockchain. So here today, we're going to meet the co-founders of Filmio, the world's most powerful platform for democratizing entertainment. Yes, that's right. They utilize AI, machine learning, and blockchain to disrupt the Hollywood system. Now, Filmio has had some press. Um, This may not be the first time you've heard of them, or it might be, but Entrepreneur Magazine described them as a creative incubator, a market validator, and distribution launchpad for everyone frustrated with Hollywood's current model. And Forbes Magazine has described them as leveraging blockchain to speed up the script-to-screen process. Filmio has built a platform where aspiring creators can upload ideas, garner feedback from fans before production even begins and expose their projects to studios and production companies without the need for personal connections. So this sounds pretty revolutionary to me, but here today we have to tell us more about this platform is the founders. Yes, we have Chris J. Davis, the Chief Technology Officer, 
We also have Ian LeWinter, who's one of the co-founders and the president of Filmio. Welcome, Chris and Ian, to Parlay Me Power Players podcast. Thank you so much. We're glad. Very happy to be here. Same for me, what Chris said. Excellent. It's so so great to have you both. We're very happy to have you on because I have to tell you, the Hollywood system, I've worked in it. Um, I've admired it from afar, but we all know it needs some rejigging. You guys are certainly doing that. So to kick things off, I wanted um, you to give our listeners perhaps a better sense of why Filmio is such a vital platform for the future of the entertainment industry. And perhaps the best place to start is, well, at the start. Um, so if you don't mind, um, Ian, we might start with you. Uh, you have over 30 years' experience in the creative industry, having managed communications for Fortune 500 companies, to being even the executive producer of Alicia Keys concerts, which is amazing. I'm a big fan of her. (laughs) So tell us, how did you get involved in the film industry or the entertainment industry, so to speak? And how did it consequently lead you to start Filmio? Well, so my, my background was in advertising, and I've always either worked in an advertising agency or owned and operated advertising agencies. And at my core, I'm a writer. And, you know, writers are the people that create the television and movies that we see most of the time. And I love to write. I love to write creatively. And I've worked on graphic novels. I've written screenplays. And um, I... I want to use the Filmio platform to make my own projects. And the way Filmio was born was our executive chairman, a guy named Brian Hertz, um, has a, a variety of friends in the film industry. And he would hang out with them and listen to them complain about what was wrong with filmmaking. And, you know, everybody was disenchanted with this process and how it, how exclusive it was and, you know, how it treated fans and how monetarily driven it was. And, you know, they, they, they don't, the way he tells the story, they would always say, Hey, you're a technologist. Why don't you come up with a solution? And, you know, what started back in 2015 were, Myself and uh, the guy who is our CMO, Don Richmond and Brian and some Hollywood professionals would go out for drinks on, um, you know, Friday afternoons. And we talk about the film industry and we talk about technology. And, um, you know, it started out very informal. And then we started writing business plans and making pitch decks and doing a variety of quasi-formal things to try and codify our ideas. And we did that for almost two years. And uh, around the end of 2016, we decided that it was kind of time for us to put up or shut up. So we incorporated and we, uh, we, we gave ourselves a name and we got ourselves a website and we started the process of moving forward to create this thing called Filmio. And interestingly enough, at that time, we weren't on the blockchain. We were going to build a platform like a Facebook or a Twitter or any other non-blockchain platform. And 
one of the things we were realizing was there were a variety of problems that we're trying we were trying to solve that were going to be very complicated and the way i tell the story is in the middle of 2017 uh brian came back from a uh, family vacation he got us all in the conference room and he said dudes we need to migrate the project to the blockchain and everybody but chris and said, what, what, what's the blockchain? And then he said, Ethereum, and we all shook our heads and we didn't know what that was. And then he said, Bitcoin, and let's face it, if by 2017, you hadn't heard of Bitcoin, you just weren't on the internet. So we had our executive chairman, who is the leader, you know, the, the leader of the company. And we had our, the C, our CTO, Chris Davis, who is, in my humble opinion, the smartest person I know. And they were both sitting there saying, this is a good idea. And, you know, when, when Chris says we should do something, we all pretty listen, you know, especially when it comes to technology, we all, we all listen very closely because like I said, he's the smartest person I know anyway. So that became this journey. And, you know, what happened right after that was, well, first of all, we all started to invest in a little bit of cryptocurrency and we bought a little bit of Bitcoin and we bought a little bit of Ethereum and we started to play in the marketplace to understand how it worked. And then Bitcoin shot up to 20,000 bucks. And we all thought we were the smartest people on the planet. And so we decided to double down. And if you say you double down in the cryptocurrency business, what that means is you hired more lawyers. And, and we hired lawyers and we started this process of you know, migrating onto the blockchain. And one of the first things we found was being on the blockchain was actually going to solve a whole bunch of problems that we weren't really clear how we would solve off the blockchain. And that our idea was a very valid and compelling use case for, for blockchain. The Then what happened, crypto, you know, Bitcoin crashed and the crypto winter started. And our response to that was to double down again. So we hired some additional lawyers. And, you know, that's kind of how this thing was born. And I'm sure Chris can add all kinds of interesting flavor into, into the, you know, technical side of it, as well as his own perception of, of, of how we came to this decision, which may or may not be the same as mine. Fantastic. Well, that's that's a brilliant um, description of how you started. And I love that you all got in the board boardroom and they said, "Hey, do." <laughs> it's like, and uh, you're right. If you weren't um, aware of what Bitcoin was uh, back then, then you were certainly behind the moon, as they call it. So, what an incredible story! And here we are today. And yeah, look at Bitcoin uh, today. Coinbase just went live, and it's all happening. Um, so well, not live, sorry, but they're they're looking for an IPO. So, Chris, to you, um, you are a prominent YouTuber. Um, I would describe you as perhaps a tech evangelist. Certainly, the most um intelligent person that that Ian knows. So that's brilliant. But he doesn't he doesn't know a lot of people. He doesn't know many. Okay, we'll leave it that. No, <laughs> but you're you're a writer, you're a designer, you're even a musician. Um, yeah. you wear many hats. Let's say that. Um, I guess I'd love to know how you started off in the entertainment industry and then also what drew you to the world of filmio. Sure. Um, back back many, many years ago, 
uh, when I was a much smaller Chris. I I was uh, theater and music. Uh, as you said, I'm a musician. I sing, play eight different instruments, write music, and uh, theater was my one great love. Uh, being on stage, embodying characters, telling stories, which is central to who I am, I have discovered over the years. I like to tell stories. I like to communicate things. And uh, being able to embody different people uh, at different times and use that to tell a story, affect people, really uh, motivated me. And so that led to trying to move from the stage to the screen, uh, silver or small. And that's really where I... Uh, hit the the negative side of Hollywood. Uh, I did independent films for a while and then tried to transition to uh, major motion picture uh, world with the the normal kind of studios and everything. And every time I went through a cattle call, which is a open casting call because I didn't have a name or any kind of really uh, compelling resume, you just had to show up to these open casting calls. And I would go to them and, and do very well, get close to the end or to the end and um, basically be told that you were great, very compelling. You're not attractive. So we're going to pass. And um, that, that doesn't do a lot for your, your self-esteem as a 20 something. Um, and so I eventually left acting behind because I, I couldn't see a future in it. And that is a foundational reason. I, I am now at Filmio doing what I'm doing. I am building this product so that no other human being has to have the experiences I had uh, in my 20s. We're building a platform that removes that. If you are motivated, you have a good idea, and you have the drive to see it through, you can do so in our world. It is not who you know. It is not what you look. It's uh, how you look. It is not how tall you are or how short you are. It is, do you have the goods to make this work? If you do, then we, we give you the tools and it's up to you to do it. And that is my motivation every day behind what I'm doing is to create a place where compelling stories that matter, that change the world are told because we are missing that today. And Hollywood has so many impediments that they've put up along that journey. If it's not a tentpole superhero movie, you're already two strikes against you. If it's a small movie that's intimate, that, that tells a story that affects people on an emotional level, 90% uh, of the time, they're not even gonna talk to you because they are motivated by return on investment. We are too, in some sense, because we need to run our company, but we believe that by telling those stories that no one else is, we will get that return on investment because there will be more content for people to consume. And that is always a good thing. Ian had brought up how the blockchain helps us solve some very important problems. And they're, again, foundational to what I was just talking about. The, the fairness, the impediments, all of the things that are either missing or present in the current method of filmmaking the blockchain allows us to either remove those things or put them in place in the case of fairness and transparency in a way that is unassailable in some sense. Uh, my, the example I always give is that 
there is a culture of creative accounting in that world that um, you have a $300 million budget movie that makes over a billion dollars and they still somehow lose money. And they, they have very creative ways of making that happen. And it's possible because all of that data is obfuscated. It's hard to find. It's either proprietary or it's just buried under all of this stuff. And the blockchain allows us to remove even the possibility of that because we put everything that matters that's connected to the life of a project into our blockchain layer. Every review, every rating that a project gets, um, uh, when we have our streaming service set up and you stream it, that will be in there. All of that data is present. It is verifiable and it is immutable, which means that it can't be changed. Uh, I'm the main architect of the application. If I wanted to, I couldn't change it. And there's a certain comfort as a creator myself to know that those games can't be played with my project if it, if it exists on this platform. And, and that's incredibly powerful and, and compelling to someone who wants to get their project out. Like Ian said, Ian is, a, is an incredible writer. His imagination is, is astounding in many ways, uh, terrifying in others, but uh, mostly astounding. And uh, he wants to make projects on our platform. And I want to make projects on our platform. That's the, the best thing about this is that we're creators who have run the gauntlet before in different ways and had roadblocks thrown up in our path. We've been uh, pushed out any number of things. We are making the platform that we wish was there when we were younger and, and having these negative experiences. And we're building it so that we can use it today. So there's something beautiful about that too. It's not just people who are trying to make a quick buck or cash in on the misery of others because of them having to exist in that platform. We literally want to make projects on it next year, our own stuff. Uh, we have a project on there right now, Beer Crawl, that is Ian and I uh, drinking heavily and yelling at each other. <laughs> and that's a real project with a real budget, real lookbook. It, it is being pushed through the system. And so we are not only like the hair club for men. We're not, we're not only the president, we're also the client. You know, we are using the thing that we are building for other people to realize our own dreams. Brilliant. And I think that's powerful as well. That's so powerful. That's, um, you, obviously you, you know, the problem you're solving, you've lived the problem, you're creating a solution <laughs> Um, it's brilliant. You are, sounds like to me, creating, you know, making Hollywood accountable. Um, like you said, there's uh, full transparency um, into these projects and a lot of Hollywood, um, you know, as we know, things go on that, you know, money under table, you know, back in the day, that yeah. sort of things, uh, no longer. So it is challenging to the industry. I can see you'll have some early adopters and I'm sure you have people that are like, oh, no, um, they don't want to yeah. see this happen. Um, so, okay, so understanding both, I guess, your experience and passion for the industry, I think, Ian, you once described it really well as you said to me, 
you are reshaping a 120-year-old industry and a $120 billion industry. It's like huge, right? So ultimately, you want to create more access and give, as you call it, the fans the voice they need. So can you tell me a bit more and to anyone listening how they can perhaps get involved with Filmio? Um, Are you at beta stage? How many you know, can people sign up? Is it invite only? Like, how is it working at the moment? Absolutely. But but if I can, before I uh, actually do that, I'd, I'd really like to speak to um, who Filmio is. Because Filmio is, first and foremost, my best friends. They are people that I, I've spent the last five years working day to day with. And, you know, Often those days are wonderful and, and, and sometimes they're terrible. You know, when, when we disagree, we disagree. But I wouldn't trade this amazing group of people if my life depended on it. And I mean Chris Davis and I mean Don Richmond, our CMO, and I mean Corey Hertz, our chief product officer, and I mean Brian Hertz, our um, executive chairman. and these five people are the brilliant geniuses who have worked tirelessly side by side with me to create this kind of magical world that we're building where creators and fans and investors can collaborate to bring projects to life. And, you know, it's, I think back to where we started and where we are today. And today is so much phenomenally richer. I mean, you know, I can't say this enough, but we have this beautiful platform that is in closed beta that is very close to transitioning into open beta in the next, in the next you know, short time period. And Chris Davis pretty much built the whole thing himself. And yes, we, we had other people help us, but Chris did the lion's share of the heavy lifting himself. And, and I have to say, to me, it's always been kind of mind-boggling that, that he could do that. And Corey Hertz has worked tirelessly to um, keep us on track and, and to help guide us into what's the right process and the right um, cadence by which we should be doing the things that we're doing. And Brian Hertz has just guided us and, and he has an indefatigable love for what we're doing and desire to make it great. And Don Richmond is one of, one of my two closest friends in the world. He, he, um, you know, in the advertising agency, there were often teams of people who could write and draw that worked together. And while Don is an amazing writer, he's the guy who draws to the words that I write. And we have that very special relationship. And we actually together owned advertising agencies before we joined together to do this thing with Filmio. And you know, I consider Chris to be one of my closest, dearest friends also. We, <laughs> as he mentioned, you know, when when um, we talk to each other, it's kind of like cats 
fighting or dogs fighting. And, and it's hilarious. In fact, people always said to us, you guys should have a TV show, which is on one level where Beer Crawl came from because we have this kind of argumentative, playful style of communication. But everybody on the team is, is an amazing group of people and have led us to this point where, you know, the first way people can get involved today is they can go to our website, filmio.io, and they can sign up for a reservation to join the platform. And that's because we're in closed beta today. When we transition into open beta very soon, they'll just be able to sign up. And we have some amazing projects on the platform with budgets that go from $3 million to $30 million. We've got mini series, we've got television series, we've got dramatic movies, we've got um, uh, reality television shows like Beer Crawl and, um, you know, Success in Your City. And my favorite part of this job is I get to every day demonstrate the platform on Zoom calls because we're living in a bizarre Zoom world to creators and to show them what we're doing. And the response has been overwhelmingly positive. And the, when you take these amazing creators and their amazing projects and you marry that to the innovative and incredible technologies that this team is coming up with that is creating this really fun, gamified, sticky environment where people get to go and participate in, in, in influencing the movies and TV shows that get made, it's pretty mind-blowing. We're, we're looking for everybody. We're looking for fans. We're looking for creators. We're looking for people who want to invest in movies and are accredited investors. We're looking for studios. We're looking for streaming services. You know, one of the ways I describe Filmio is like a layer cake. And on the top of the layer cake, we serve fans, creators, and investors. And we'll be adding a fourth genre in the, you know, in the next six to eight months or so called makers. And, but underneath the layer cake is an exotic algorithm powered by machine learning and artificial intelligence that tracks human activity over time across 26 unique and distinct personas. And we generate lots of data, but we also bring in a, a variety of very interesting third-party data sources. And this algorithm analyzes all of that data to create what we call the ghost score or the commercial viability prediction score. And it's that score that helps projects rise and have more prominence and makes them more attractive to investors and makes them more attractive to fans. But, you know, if you ask somebody on the street, name five creators, they're going to tell you names of well-known directors, but they're also going to name the big six studios. And the truth is the people that make the ideas that create these ideas that become these TV shows and these movies that we love are not the studios. They're Chris. They're me. They're everyday writers, people who love TV and movies, and they don't get enough recognition. 
and their ideas don't get enough celebration. And part of Filmio's ethos as a company is to champion inclusion, diversity, equity, and equality within a global entertainment marketplace. Brilliant. Wow. I have to say it's super timely. Like, um, you know, you guys, from my understanding, the inception came in 2015 and you've come to fruition now. And I think the timing is perfect. I don't want to say it's a silver lining of a pandemic, but certainly people are streaming more than ever before at the moment. People are looking for alternatives to the Hollywood system. Um, and you guys are certainly delivering that. Um, I love your passion, Ian. It's it's brilliant. And and experience, you know. So um, I wanted to quickly ask Chris if it's okay, just something on the technical side, so to speak. So um, we know like Filmio is most definitely a pioneer it's in the film industry. It's an early adopter, if we will um, say, especially with your distributed ledger innovation technology and leveraging blockchain to build audience and raise production funds. Can you tell us a little more, I guess, about the tech side of things we all know that blockchain um, is not just for cryptocurrencies and other industries are fast applying it to their needs, um, especially because, like you guys said, it's it, it's transparency, it's fairness. Um, what is the uptake, I guess, from your experience? And I, speaking, you are obviously um, out there pitching a Filmio to investors and also to the industry itself. Um what is the uptake of filmmaking world to blockchain? And perhaps, Chris, um, if you don't mind, how exactly does Filmio work to de-risk the filmmaking process by incorporating blockchain into its DNA? Uh, so I'll start with how people receive the idea of blockchain and its technologies being uh, brought into filmmaking. Um, you, you have two distinct, in, in my experience, reactions. One is that people that have uh, some knowledge of blockchain and not cryptocurrencies, but the actual technology of blockchain, uh, even cursory, they immediately are interested and um, they want to know how we're implementing this technology and why we think that, as you said, it is going to make the process better. And they, they immediately understand there's value there. They just don't necessarily understand how it applies to their industry. And then the flip side of that is people that don't really know anything other than it's a weird hacker techie thing and it makes them uncomfortable. And my favorite is actually the weird techie uncomfortable people because it's a, it's a moment to teach them and to, to, like I said before, I like, I like to tell stories. I like to, to talk to people and I like to give them something and teach them. And so being able to sit down and go, I understand completely. Here's why it's not scary. It's not a hacker techie thing that there's real value here. And here's why. And um, so I enjoy those conversations immensely. What we found is that across the board, regardless of which one of those camps, the person we're talking to falls into after they hear why we're using it and what we're doing with it, the light bulb comes on and they go, yes, this is exactly what we need. And that has been the most gratifying thing uh, as a tech uh, evangelist and a technology professional uh, of this whole process, because a lot of blockchain plays that companies do, they, they don't really have a firm foundation for why 
that they are employing blockchain or they're bringing it in. And it almost feels as though they're trying to bank on the hype or they're trying to capitalize on the fervor around this stuff and um, raise their own profile by using buzzwords people are attached to. And we're not that. And it, people understand that almost immediately when we begin talking about what we're doing. And that's a, a really big deal. It might not seem like it, but in an industry where there are a lot of fly-by-night, um, hype-driven blockchain plays, quote-unquote, we're the real deal, 100%. And we can prove it and justify it in a way that almost no one else can in our space. And again, like uh, as someone who lives and breathes technology every day, it is so incredible to be able to say that and mean it and be able to prove it. So um, that's the, the first part of that. So that being said, <laughs> obviously the next part is, well, how are you using blockchain uh, with, your, with your setup? And um, what we're doing is, let me back up. Any technology is only as good as how you apply it. So if you apply a technology incorrectly, it doesn't matter how great the technology itself is. It will fail and you will fail because you're not using the technology for what it was meant for. And with blockchain, the blockchain is a distributed ledger, as you said earlier. It's, it's a way to distribute discrete data, little pieces of data everywhere around the world. And because of the way it's, it's nature of being distributed and, um, and duplicated and having algorithms to compare all of those little bits together to make sure that they, they agree, it makes it really difficult to fake or spoof data uh, and hide data, as we talked about before. And so if you think about blockchain like that, then it becomes obvious where we should employ it. We, we do not have an application that is completely on the blockchain. Some of them are. They're called dApps or distributed apps. And you'll have everything just runs on the blockchain. And they have a website that sits on top of the blockchain that uh, is an intermediary between you and the blockchain. You say, hey, show me show me this movie, and it calls the blockchain and says, where is the data for this movie? Puts it all together and then shows it to you. Those applications are almost universally slow because the blockchain isn't made for that. It's not made for giant buckets of data being assembled and presented to people and searching. So if you wanted to find um, information on the new Matrix movie that's coming out, Matrix 4, that search will take forever on most blockchains because that's not what it's meant for. And so we decided to focus very specifically on what the blockchain is good for. And the rest of those things we, we built in a more traditional manner. And so the places we think the blockchain adds value to a company like ours is, as we said before, uh, anything that has to do with financial transactions, anything that has to do with feedback from users. So when a fan comes to your project and says, I like this project, I'm going to rate it four out of five stars. I'm going to write three paragraphs about why I love what you're doing. That is recorded in the blockchain because that is important data that you can use as a creator to help fund your project. You can take that data to a studio and go, look, I have a thousand people over the last 30 days who have come in and off the strength of a poster and a log line and three paragraphs of a treatment say they would pay to see this tomorrow. 
And that data is transparently verifiable in a way that is, is beyond reproach. And that is powerful. And that is what makes the blockchain part of our platform so interesting because it is, it's being leveraged for exactly what it was for. And that's what we're looking at. So we have things like that. Um, tokens and coins are part of the blockchain world. And we have embraced that um, as well as things like NFTs for, again, what they're good at. Uh, NFTs would be, uh, NFTs, if you're not familiar, are non-fungible tokens. They're basically like baseball cards. So it's the crypto version of a baseball card. And uh, you can collect those things. Right now, there's a really big fervor around them, but it's been something on our roadmap for a while that we want to do eventually. For instance, you could have virtual memorabilia. A movie comes out on our platform and they create NFTs that are based on things that happen in the movie or set pieces in the movie. And those things can be sold to raise funds to actually make the movie. And that, again, that's exactly what that thing is good for. And so... That, that's kind of our guiding principle when it comes to taking the technologies uh, that underpin blockchain and, and applying them to the, the company is, is what was this designed to do and how can we use that to make what we do better? I love it. I love it. It's most definitely the future. Um, and my hat goes off to you educating Hollywood on what that is. Um, it, it is interesting and it is very much just about education. You know, um, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, so to speak, earlier when you said like, you know, if you don't understand something, it's so easy to, to dismiss it, right? Um, but when you do understand it, or at least there's someone that can tell you what it is and you get it and the penny drops, right. then you realise, and I think, thankfully because of nfts i think that's fast that's happening a lot faster <laughs> yes. now yeah. um, but there's still lag i know how hollywood moves at a snail's pace i'd like to add one thing to what chris said also it, it's not just instructing hollywood or teaching hollywood a better way but it's also teaching social media a better way because one of my personal gripes about social media has always been that these brands want you to support their projects. They want you to like their pages. They want you to write reviews of their projects, but they don't reward you at all. It's like a hotbed for free marketing. And in the tokenized world, you can actually reward people for performing support, for doing things that support things. And in our world, it's supporting movies and television, which proves to distributors and investors and, and everything else that there is a viable marketplace for a given project. And that relationship between support, viability, and rewarding is a critical component that's been missing from the world prior to the blockchain. And we see it in so many different blockchain areas where people are rewarded for participation which I've always thought they should be. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, definitely the blockchain is about, you know, well, NFTs are a perfect example. Um, as you mentioned, they're really giving the power back to the artists, to the people that create these projects. Um, there's no kind of in-between person, so to speak, um, 
you know, so the money is going to where it should um, and it's quite liberating, um, which brings me to, in fact, your tagline on your site, which is um, it says to liberate creators and empower fans. So that's something I want to ask you. It would seem like you truly are democratising film and that you truly do look to celebrate the entire filmmaking process. So can you tell us a little bit about how you cater? I guess it's a hard one. You know, you know, you're catering to filmmakers and also moviegoers as well. Um, and so creators, you call them on your platform, which I think is interesting in itself. Um, you obviously see, you know, it's, you don't want to pigeon your whole, you know, it's called Filmio, I get it, um, but you don't want to just uh, single out filmmakers. You are appealing to creators of all sorts. Um, but, yeah, you did mention earlier in the podcast that you were thinking of it in its very infancy of, like, you know, the Facebook, if you will, for the film industry. So you certainly are harnessing a lot of the social aspects into what you do. So maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about how, um, you know, you are incorporating or balancing the the filmmaking or the creative side rather and the fan side um how you marry them together or will they be very separate um if you can speak to that I know it's still um early stages for the platform and also how you are I guess harnessing social sharing and whatnot into your site um for fan so yeah I'll, I'll take the first part of that which was speaking to how we are how we are serving both the creator and the fan in, in the system. And it's a really great question because it presupposes what relationships exist. In my mind, there is a relationship between the creator and the fan, the person that produces and the person that receives. And it is a two-way symbiotic relationship. If a creator makes a beautiful movie and there is no one to see it, it doesn't matter. In one sense, it matters because they made something and that is important, but they made it to affect something or someone. And without that something or someone, the the film failed to uh, achieve its full potential. And for the fan, without people who are driven to create and make something beautiful, they have nothing to, to see, nothing to experience. And in the traditional model, it really feels like those two groups have been so pushed apart so far, disconnected so much that you, you have things where uh, creators and directors in Hollywood are making movies based on what they feel like doing. And they, and they don't, they don't think about who is receiving that. When, When you make a movie, you're making it for people to watch and, the people watching it should be a consideration in what you do. Their enjoyment, uh, their experience should be forefront in what you're thinking and, and how you're making that movie, TV show, book, really anything, any creative endeavor. And the current system feels like it encourages a disconnect between those two concepts. And the fans just take whatever they can get and the creators make whatever they want. And, they, they, and, and then they just move on to the next thing. And I think that's hollow and, and wrong because those two groups exist together and help each other and that they make one whole. They're two halves of the equation. And what we're trying to do is correct that disconnect 
uh, that divide by making it clear, unassailably clear, that creators, their projects will exist and be successful because of the involvement of their fans uh, in a large part. And the fans have a responsibility to support the creators that make the things that they care about. And I believe that when those two things come together and that disconnect is no longer there and each group is thinking about the other first, the most amazing content will be created. That is going to be a golden age of movie making, of TV, of, of books, of music. When, when they exist together like that without any boundaries or walls, we will see a seismic shift in the things that are created and how it affects the world, which is what I care about. I want tomorrow to be better than today. And I believe that the arts are one of the biggest ways we can affect that change. And filmmaking is one aspect of that. And, and that's really the motivation for me in this, when we're looking at how the two groups interact in the platform itself, is to make sure that they, they feel connected and that, and that they rely on one another in a positive way. I love that. It's such an important, it's such a vital well, thing really to have the, the, the interaction or the connection, as you call it, between the, the creator and the audience. And if your platform can provide that, that's brilliant um, because they have for so long be siloed. Um, you know, you go see a film yeah. traditionally at the movie theater. You know, very hit, sad to hear that some of the iconic movie theaters are closing down in LA. Um, but, you know, in the yeah. old days, you would, old days, it sounds like it now, doesn't it? <laughs> when you went to the you know cinema and then you left and you loved the film, you maybe tell your close friends, maybe you know your family. But if you could have a platform where you could really connect with the creators and give feedback, and oh, it's wonderful. The possibilities are endless. Um, I love it. So yeah. I I guess my um question would then also be to Ian, um, if you don't mind, in regards to yeah, picking up on like how I I, I saw that fans can earn um. I, and when I say earn, I guess tokens or be or something um, by reviewing and socially promoting films and TV shows they love most on the platform. Um, so I just I guess I want to talk a bit about like the digital marketing aspect and social sharing. Um, seems like it's very integral to your platform um, and how you're going about, I guess. And again, you are in beta stage and anything you can speak to at this stage, but how you're going to go about encouraging um, users to like share content via their channels in order to generate traffic um, if that is even part of your roadmap or perhaps you can share what your roadmap is there for for fans well first I have to say that you know Chris Chris was being unusually eloquent in painting his picture of a utopian <laughs> world where fans how dare you how dare you <laughs> where, where fans and, and creators collaborate but the truth is, you know, one of the things that's really interesting is there's a process here. And to get to Chris's world, there will be incremental steps in the process. And if you talk to a creator today, a creator really cares about three things. They care about their idea. They care about raising the funds they need for production. And they care about distribution. And 
that's the word they use of to describe fans. It's just distribution. I have a streaming service that takes my project and people watch it. But creators, like Chris mentioned, are completely and totally disconnected from fans, in, except in some interesting social ways. But mostly it's just a disconnection, and the, and, and the space between them is the distribution platform or the distributor. And Filmio is about collaboration. It really is. And and the it's a collaboration between fans, creators, and investors or people who invest in the process of making films. And on some level that can be fans, but that's not how it's done today traditionally. Today, traditionally, it's done from, you know, film funds and studios and high net worth individuals and equity groups and all these different financial things that are used to make movies. And Filmio has space and uh, ability for all of those people to interact and do things not dissimilarly to the way they do things now. One of the big differences being that how they interact will be managed by smart contracts, which is the arbiter tool of, of the blockchain. But fans, you know, will be able to potentially literally invest in films and receive a return if the films or, or television um, uh, are successful. And what, what defines that is which modalities creators use to get their funding. And I imagine in the world that Chris was talking about, that creators will use a much wider variety of funding sources than they generally do today. And that crowdfunding will continue to be a, an important part of, a, a growing and important part of the process of, of, of you know, generating production funds. I also believe, based on a variety of really great technologies that are, are coming more and more into play, that the cost to make movies is going to continue to go down. And there'll be a lot less um, a, a requirement for location. You know, a, a perfect example is The Mandalorian is all shot on a soundstage in such a way that the backgrounds are live during the shoot and the filmmaker can literally see the end product in real time and they don't have to wait for dailies and they don't have to they don't have to go look at things and, and they can literally build the story in real time in a studio. And so as I mentioned before, fans get rewarded for support. And without going into the specifics, which I'd rather not to be honest with you, there are a, a, a myriad of different ways that fans can directly interact with projects and they can either pledge, the word we use for staking, or earn rewards in tokens for participation. They can socially interact with projects both on the platform and in the other social media 
um, uh, marketplaces and they can receive and and um, earn token rewards for those kinds of activities. And really what it's about, I think, is what Chris was talking about, which is a place where fans can find and then support the projects that they love and they can be rewarded for that support. And there are a variety of different technologies on the platform for enhanced and interesting fan creator project interactions, you know, that some of which we see in the traditional social world today and some that haven't ever been imagined or, or, or created before. And all of these things are about really creating this beautiful relationship with fans and creators. And investors, you know, are really just fans with money. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, the, 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 the job of investing in films will, will still be done by equity groups and still be done by film funds, but it will also be done by individuals like it is today. You know, um, the, the idea, if you go back in time to, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the day of the patron where the creator actually had a patron and that patron paid for their lifestyle so that they could create the art that they wanted to create. Well, patronage is a part of kind of the new idea, although it's not one person who's the patron, it's, it's, it's lots of people who are patrons, but they are loving the projects that, that they, that, interest them and they're doing a variety of interesting blockchain and non-blockchain things to support those projects and to share those projects and to bring recognition to those projects and to make those projects happen. Speaking of uh, investors, and I love the way you describe it, they're the biggest fans. They certainly are. Um, <laughs> they should be, right? Um, have you guys raised capital? Are you bootstrapping? Um, and if you are raising, how have you found, if you can speak to it, I guess, um, I guess the receptiveness, if you will, have you raised from within the industry or have you had to look outside the industry? Any um, advice or feedback on that? We've been very successful in raising money throughout this process. And interestingly enough, like everything in the crypto blockchain world, as the crypto world uh, gains fuel like it is right now, um, we're gaining fuel also. And um, we, we've, we've raised all the money that we've raised so far from primarily high net worth individuals who have a love for what we're doing. And I can tell you as the kind of chief cook and pitcher out there that um, the response that I get is almost across the board positive and enthusiastic from creators, fans, investors. We've got a, a, a rabid uh, a telegram channel where people love to talk about movies and they love to talk about how the blockchain is affecting movies. And they love to talk about change and what's coming for the film industry and how that's going to benefit both fans and creators. And there is this 
growing world of people who would love to see the kind of evolution that Filmio is bringing. So how do you think blockchain will change Hollywood? Like, uh, do you think they're really ready for it? I mean, we spoke a little bit about it earlier, but what are, I guess what are some of the most exciting aspects you've seen in this sector, perhaps over the last six months? I know NFTs are blowing up. Um, but, yeah, other than Filmio, of course, what are you seeing that's really exciting? Um, and is Hollywood ready? <laughs> I don't think as a whole Hollywood is ready, but what you find is that any established industry or sector of the market that has dominated for as long as uh, Hollywood has, uh, the, the established traditional model, I should say, it, it's always painful when something comes in to disrupt that and there there's an uptake that has to happen and there's there's a shakeout of which of these disrupting ideas is the one that's going to win because uh, we're not the only ones doing it we're just the best uh, in in the in the the space um, there are a lot of different ideas from just traditional funds where instead of having a a hedge fund or something, there's a crypto fund and they are looking to fund movies. And that's more of take what's traditional and just instead of dollars or euros use, you know, tokens. And and that's interesting, <clears throat> but it's not what we're doing. We're, we're trying to change the entire paradigm of creating content and distributing it to the masses. So we're going to do, that's one aspect of what we're doing as opposed to the whole thing. And so right now, Hollywood is having to react to all of these initiatives that are happening and, um, and try to feel out which one they should put their energy behind. And, and you saw that with things like Uber when they, they came up and the, the taxi industry and all that stuff was very much against it and did everything they could to destroy it. And once they knew they couldn't, they had to adapt and adopt a lot of what Uber did. And then now you have a new version of an old industry that has absorbed what made sense from Uber for them. Um, and you also have Uber, which is continuing to innovate and push the more traditional industries forward. And so that's how I view what we're doing. We are coming in to disrupt what has been done for 120 plus years. And not to destroy it, but to make it better, to, to show them the way they should do it for the next 120 years and be that driving force for change so that in 10 years, what we're doing won't be novel. It will be commonplace. It will be the way things are done. And I think that is the best possible outcome here is that, uh, like you were saying, because of the pandemic, uh, remote working is now a thing that people assume is okay, where it was fought against even a year ago. There are productions that um, like Marvel and Disney are doing productions right now where all this, the VFX people are at home on their home computer because the home computers are powerful enough to do a lot of the VX work. And so we are poised to take that and amplify it a million percent so that this global community we're building, you can have VFX people in Spain and your sound people could be in France. The main production could be happening in the U.S. And everything is coordinated via our platform. And so that is a really exciting 
area we're moving into and the pandemic, uh, as you said, silver lining seems like an improper uh, turn of phrase here, but one of the positive outcomes of us having to stay home is that the idea of remote work and distributed work is now much more common and accepted a lot more than it was before. And that will just help us because that's what we're doing. We're distributing the work. And so on that front, uh, I think that's where things are going. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, yeah, the, the world has changed and uh, hopefully for the better, let's see. Um, I am interested to know, I guess, um, a number one, you know, cause for startup failure is right. there's no market need, right? Um, clearly, you guys have a market need, but um, you have to make some relative assumptions at some stage. And I was wondering, um, did you build, you know, there's the whole like MVP minimum viable product kind of uh, scenario. So did you believe or do you believe rather having like a perfect product before you launch? Um, it's just your general opinion. And um, or do you prefer like learning as you go? Because, you know, if you think of Clubhouse, which is a big social um, audio app at the moment, they've really, you know, just going on the fly. They they opened up with limited features and they kind of have let their user base kind of determine what they want and what they don't want. Um, and then there's other platforms which are super successful that have everything kind of done, um, perfected, so to speak, as much as you can perfect um, before they launch. So what's Filmio's philosophy yeah. on that? Are you looking for perfection before or are you um, want to learn from what your users um, gravitate towards? Sure. Uh, fantastic question, by the way. Um, the, the The most sane process is an iterative process. So we are very much on the clubhouse side of things. For one, I don't think a perfect product exists ever. There, there isn't such a thing. And what you find out too, you mentioned that there were some successful uh, platforms and products that came out with all their features and everything, but that's not actually true. We have this, we have this revisionist thing that we do as human beings. I, I'm bad about it too. Take Facebook. Facebook launched with one one thousandth of the features it has today. And it's one of the most successful platforms on the planet. But we've used Facebook for so long in its current uh, iteration that it feels like it's always been that way. But I used it when it came out. And I use it today. And I've seen the, the incredible evolution of that product over time. And, and they're all like that. What you look for when you deliver a product is you find MVP is a good word for it, but mostly what you want to find is the core of what it should do. Like what is what is the most needful thing here? And you make that as perfect as you can without letting the perfect be the enemy of the good, meaning right. you're not going to release it till it's perfect. It's never perfect. It never gets yeah. released. Like you yeah. need that. It's good enough kind yeah. of thing, but that's what we're doing. And so we have decided that the most needful thing right now that we can ship is um, the evaluation and community building aspect. Ha- letting a creator put a, um, a project on a platform and build an audience around it. And that audience can participate by reviewing, rating, and sharing that project. 
and, and, and participate in its life cycle. You know, presumably I put a project up there. If someone feels passionate about it and they've, <clears throat> they've shared it a thousand times and they've rated it and reviewed it and they follow me on the platform and they follow the project and they reach out to me through the tools that we have on the platform and, and have something to say, I will listen to them because they have demonstrated a passion for who I am and what I do. And that is the core of what we're going to market with. And we have um, an iterative process where we have for the next three years, a ro an internal roadmap uh, that's private that uh, has features and timelines. And we're going to release this bundle of features at this time. And then building on that, we're going to release more features that take advantage of the ones that we just released and extend them even further. And we, we have that roadmap for the next three years. And we are beginning the process of looking out past that to, okay, year, year four, five, and six. Who do we want Filmio to be at that point? What do we want to, to do to serve the users that we have, have brought into the system? Uh, I think that's the most... That's the most advantageous and successful and safest way to de-risk the launch of a product or a project mm. is to begin with the core of what it does and then quickly and uh, sustainably expand that to where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you you stick to your core and then all the other features will fall into place, so to speak. I'm a big advocate. You can You can go round and round in circles if you try to anticipate or, like you said, a perfect product before launch. Um, there never is such a thing, 100%. So um, that brings me to another question. Um, are there any Filmio competitors um, out there, I guess? Um, and I often look at competitors sometimes can be brilliant partners um, as well. Um, but if so, um, how is Filmio different or is there – Literally no one really playing in this space other than you guys. Yeah, it's kind of what I said before. There are, We have competitors in the sense that there are other companies who are using blockchain technologies yeah. to affect the movie-making process in one way or another. The difference here is that you you have a, uh, a company that is trying to democratize and tokenize uh, – hedge fund type of things, the funds that are used for uh, movie making. And so they focus just on that. And then you have people that are trying to use the blockchain to uh, make streaming services different and maybe more equi equitable and uh, a bit more streamlined and a bit more fair. And they are competitors to us in the sense that those are components of our business that they are also trying to do. And you're absolutely right. I look at anyone who is doing anything in the movie space uh, with blockchain right now in the production space as simultaneously a threat and a partner. <clears throat> and I, you know, we evaluate the things that they do and do they do this thing that we want to do down the road already? And do they do it as well or better than us? Because we don't have all a monopoly on all the smart people and, and good decision-making in the world. And so we evaluate those things and weigh them and, if someone pops up tomorrow with an incredible IPFS, uh, you know, based streaming service that is just incredible across the board, it's it's performant, it 
delivers an incredible user experience and they're looking for a partner, then of course I would talk to them because it makes no sense not to team up and, and accelerate both of our uh, timelines by not having to build the thing the other person does well. And so that that's definitely something we look at. But from the, the standpoint of, you know, Apple computer or, uh, you know, Microsoft, that they do the exact same things. There isn't anyone that is a direct competitor to us. And, and we believe it's going to be that way for a while because the things that we're doing are incredibly difficult. They're very big. And we have a five-year head start on everyone. <laughs> so right. it's, really, it's really difficult for them to catch up at this point and do it well. Someone can slap something together tomorrow, but it's going to show. Yes, we, We've thought through it and tested and we're continuing to test. User experience is one of our driving core tenets of everything we do. The design has to be good. The experience has to be uh, above reproach. And functionally, what is built to power it all needs to be solid, secure, and fast. And those things will always set us apart in the industry uh, when, you, when you couple it with the fact that we have this giant he uh, head start on them and um, are just more knowledgeable in the space than anyone else because we've been doing it longer. It doesn't mean we can rest on our laurels, as it were, because there is someone right now in a garage somewhere or in a basement <laughs> who is birthing something that will change the world. And I always keep that in mind that that's, that's around the corner. So I need to be working as though it is. And that's kind of what drives me. I love it. I love it. Well, you guys have definitely put in um, the hard work as it, as it seems and uh, the time is of the essence for sure, which brings me to my next question. Um, can you share with us, I guess, the roadmap? Um, you don't have to go into too much detail, but just like the next few months or years, like, um, sure. so, you know, what is the timeline for launch roughly? Um, maybe some Filmio news. I know you have a token sale fast approaching as well. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, the, the roadmap from private beta to open beta, uh, public beta, if you will, is what yeah. is on the, the horizon right now. And we, we have an internal deadline for that. The, the issue here is that we, we don't want to move to public beta until we have created a user experience that takes care of our core constituencies, which are fans and creators. And we're working with creators right now, as Ian said, we have, we have projects and creators and fans already on the platform and they are our partners in this crusade for the best possible experience. And, you know, they're giving us feedback. Our user experience vice president, uh, Matthew Oliphant is, uh, like next week, he's going to be talking to creators who have used the platform, getting feedback to be able to fix issues and make it better and make it more understandable and easier to use. That process is very important to us. We, 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 we view things kind of like Apple uh, Incorporated now. Apple does that when we release this, it needs to be the best thing it can be within the time frame we have. And to release too early would be bad. To release too late would also be bad. We're looking for the Goldilocks release date where it's just right. Mm -hmm. And um, that is within the next my gut estimate between the next 90 and 120 days. Um, 
at the longest that uh, it will take to get to that uh, public beta. There are things that can accelerate that. We're currently uh, building up our internal resources and hiring key uh, key roles that will help with that transition. And the more quality people we bring on, the faster that is. It's like adding gasoline to a fire, so it's going to get faster. Uh, and um, once that happens, we will begin speaking after that. Once we release to public beta, we will be uh, begin a process of timed releases that will bring more of our feature set on board. So uh, we have a whole suite of features for investors uh, that is in development right now that still needs to be tested and, and verified it's ready to go. But that is a, a host of features that are going to come out. We have a suite of features for uh, creators to better manage their their properties on the platform and to manage the relationship between them and investors and them and their fans so that, that as I said before, can be a, a robust, positive, enriching experience for everyone. And all of these things um, have moments on the roadmap and are being worked to. And so my goal is every two to three months, we have a new release. And we just roll with that uh, into the future so that, you know, you know, as a user of Filmio that there's always something amazing on the horizon. That, that's what I want. Nice. And, I like that. I like that approach. So don't roll everything out at once, so to speak, kind of trickle it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's very clever. So uh, what about your token sale? Can you tell us a bit about that? Is that um, happening yeah. So when? Uh, that currently has a timeline of 90 days. Mm -hmm. uh, that is always somewhat of a moving target because of regulations. Uh, sure. They change all the time, but it's it's an international token sale. Uh, so it would be happening outside the U.S. because of security laws here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And um, that is yeah, 60 to 90 days out as of today. Mm -hmm. And um, it's going to be... Uh, a really watershed moment for the industry as well as for us, obviously mm. um, giving people the, the fan token that is um, that is being sold is the main, it's the main unit of energy, if you will, in the system. We talked about earlier that uh, we incentivize actions. So if say you have an account and you go and find a movie you like, and you rate it, you earn, a percentage of a token. So every time you do certain actions, you get rewarded in the fan token. Mm. What's interesting is that the fan token is what you use to support creators. And so uh, if a creator needs, to, there are certain things inside the platform that a creator needs to do or a project needs to do to advance to the next level. And one of those things is being supported by fans uh, with their fan tokens. And so you have this beautiful, positive, reciprocal relationship between uh, incentivized action in the platform by the fan and then support for the creator from the fan. So every time you, you support a creator by sharing or rating, you're being rewarded with the thing that you need to then help their project excel with. Love and it. When you do that, say you stake, you, you stake your tokens to a pro, uh, project and it goes to the next level, when those 
tokens come back to you, you get a reward for doing that. So now you have more fan tokens that you can use to support another project and creator. And it just keeps going in this beautiful symbiotic relationship where the fan token has a real use case uh, as a utility token, which is what it is inside the system and has real value in the sense that you you're able to, to realize someone's dream by using it, which I think again is a beautiful, powerful thing that a fan can feel. Not only did I get to watch this great thing, but I have the satisfaction when I'm watching it to know that it was made because of me. Yeah, it's brilliant. And that doesn't exist today. And so that's no, no that's a beautiful it, thing. It is. And now when you say for those listening that aren't so and I'm I'm still learning myself about <laughs> yeah. tokens and um and you said it's a utility token. Does yeah. that mean you use it within the platform? Is it something you can cash out at a later stage or is it always kind of within the Filmio world or is that something you can or can't speak to? Uh, th- there are only certain things I can say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Per regulations. But the, a utility token is a is a token that has no monetary value attached to it, but wow. it has but it has a value in the sense that it it does something. In our case, for instance, we have the Go score, which we talked about earlier in, in, in our discussion here. Yes. That um, there is a stage of the Go score where it is locked because you haven't your project hasn't reached the point yet where it has done has matured enough, has uh, garnered enough support to be able to move to the next level in our system. So part of unlocking the Go score is say you and I finding a project and going, this is fantastic. I would love to see this made. And we pledge our tokens to it. We stake our tokens to it. And when enough people do that, it unlocks the Go. That's one of the concepts that are behind the unlocking. There are other things too, but one of those is you have to have a certain amount of tokens staked to it and a certain amount of fans who have staked their tokens. And so while there's, it's not worth like three euros or $2, a fan token has real value within the, uh, within the ecosystem of Filmio because it, yeah. it powers things. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of like gas, right? You yes. put gas in your car to make it go. You put fan yeah. tokens into the project to make it go. Excellent. I love that. And then, yeah, the relationship or the affiliation, if you will, with the project becomes even stronger. So, again, that fan to create our connection is is paramount. I love it. Well, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant what you guys are creating. And I think it's uh, even like five, ten years ahead of where we are even today. So um, even the fact that you started it five years ago is just <laughs> testimony to your forward thinking so i do have two final questions that we always do ask at parlay me um equally important um no not really but uh, the first one is um is there an entrepreneur um who has inspired you now since we're actually talking about hollywood today um you p- perhaps can mention a director or a producer or even an actor if you like but someone that i guess embodies what it is to be an entrepreneur um and again it could be someone we know or it could be someone on your team it could be someone in your family i mean inspiration comes from everywhere right <laughs> yeah it's 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 bad so my answer to that question is three people 
Mm, and and it, it's because I'm a complicated human being. Uh, <laughs> I love complicated human so beings. From a, from a tech standpoint, as a technologist myself, um, Steve Wozniak yes. is one of my all-time heroes. He is the other, there are three co-founders of Apple, Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, and a, a gentleman, I always forget his name, but he doesn't matter because he sold <laughs> yeah. his, his shares before they made any real money. Yes. But everyone likes to focus on Steve Jobs as being this genius visionary and he was and and i'm a big fan of his as well not his attitude and the way he treated people because he was kind of a jerk but yeah. he, he he's a brilliant human being who could see things that no one else could and so that is fantastic but steve wozniak <laughs> yeah. could make things that no one else could he mm. without wozniak jobs would have just been a person who dreamed all day about wouldn't this be great and it was Wozniak's ability to sit down and do the work and translate this grand vision that Steve Jobs had into a thing that was existed in the real world. And that was the basis for Apple's success. And it is today. And because of that, Wozniak is one of my all-time heroes from a tech standpoint. And from the uh, movie-making Hollywood uh, venture, I have two, and they're yes. interconnected. Yes. Um, Steven Spielberg is an all-time hero of mine because of his career and how he came to be who he is. He just showed up on the lot and started making movies. Like yeah. the the audacity and the gall and the just the the chutzpah, if you will, of someone who just he just showed up and took an office and no one knew who he was. And he started making movies. I mean, really, I didn't know incredible. that about him. Okay. He's, he's, yeah. He's just, he was an incredible human being that, that took risks that other people would not. Oh. And that that's incredible to me. Uh, and connected to that is one of our founders um, is a filmmaker and uh, he, he had I mean, our first movie that we did was um, we, we helped finish 52577, which is this biopic about Patrick Johnson, who was one of our founders and a filmmaker himself and uh, a professor of filmmaking uh, at a major university in the, in the US. And his, his story is so inspiring because he just randomly found himself on the lot where they were making Star Wars, A New Hope, and got to see all of it before it was done. And he got to tour the sets and, and talk to the people who were making the props and saw the Millennium Falcon uh, prop while it was being used. He met Steven Spielberg because they were doing Close Encounters of the Third Kind at the same place at the same time. Gosh. And, and Pat, he's 17 <laughs> when this happens. And he goes home back to where he's from in the middle of nowhere and decides that come hell or high water, he was going to make movies. And he had been making home movies for years. It's what he loved to do. He did his own, his own uh, props and his own special effects. And having that moment where he saw this uncut, unfinished, not great version of Star Wars that cemented who he wanted to be. And he went home, graduated from high school, and immediately went back to Hollywood and made a movie. And he had a career because of that. Wow. And it's, I, I am always 
going to be a fan of people who just do the work. Yeah. They don't talk about it. They do it. And Pat is one of those people. And and so he's also just a a fun guy. I mean, we'll have to get him on the cast next time. And that's brilliant. Um, I love that. That's, that's super. And I love it that you have three. Um, And um, I I have to agree. They're all, all, well, I don't know Pat, obviously, um, but uh, Steve Wozniak and Steven Spielberg are definitely high up there for me as well. Um, so our last question is, and just to full disclosure, we are not endorsing gambling by any means. Yeah, yeah. um, but if we uh, were to have a little flutter, as they call it, um, would you be a blackjack, a poker, or a roulette player? Uh, if I was going to do that, it would be blackjack because it's all it's all about randomness and chance. Uh-huh. And that's, uh-huh. that's easier for me because – if you're, if we're talking about gambling, we're talking about losing money, yeah. <laughs> not winning money, losing money. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, let's be realistic. Yeah. <laughs> at least that I know it wasn't because I wasn't talented or smart enough. It's just that either the house was rigged, which happens, or yeah. just it, it chance. It's it's just chance. There's no way for me to be better or worse at blackjack. It's all random. Whereas poker, I mean, there's a strategy and all of that there's stuff. There's a strategy. There's a strategy, exactly. And roulette is just pure blind. <laughs> yeah, just... exactly. There's too many variables, too, because yeah. I'm a variable person. I can't. makes my head hurt. So blackjack is way better. Interesting. I love it. I love it. Well, good. We always ask that at Parlay Me. It's one of our signature questions, if you will. Um, look, I have just loved speaking to both yourself and Ian today. Um, where can people, I guess, uh, at Filmio, is it filmio.com? Or? Yes. So yes. film.io is where you will go to find out about the platform and and sign up to be allowed in. When uh, we're, we're also... As Ian said, and I, and I mentioned earlier, we're going to have an open beta and people okay. will be able to get in then. But we're also having a sign-up list so that every couple of months during our private beta, we will let more people in to increase the user base and get more feedback. So that will put you in line to uh, be let in early while the private beta is still going on. And filmio.com is also one of our properties, but um, we have a foundation that uh, runs all of our blockchain technology so that it is uh, more governed by the people than a uh, U.S. entity. And uh, so filmio.com talks about that. And film.io is the platform itself and everything. Lovely. And for those listening that want to, you know, get in touch with you directly, are there, are you one of these people like you prefer, like, like, do they LinkedIn you? Do they tweet you? Do they speak to your agent? Um, What do you If I had an agent, uh, you can, you can find me on, on, you can find me almost anywhere that has an at handle at, as at Chris J Davis, um, uh, except for Instagram, which you don't want to follow me on Instagram. Um, well, but, uh, <laughs> so yeah, on Instagram, I'm at Chris J Davis, Chris J Davis org, uh, okay. O-R-G. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn, I'm Chris J Davis. So I'm more than happy for anyone that wants to chat to reach out on Twitter or on uh, LinkedIn. Excellent. And, uh, we'll, we'll have a fine old time. Well, there you go, guys. You heard it here first. And also YouTube, right? You're on YouTube? I am. I, I have two YouTube channels. Uh, 
one, I have one that's uh, called CJD Explains. That's the the one that most people would uh, find and know. Uh, yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I cover movies and TV shows that are based on books and compare them, contrast them to the source material to see what changed and what was better and what was worse. And I love it. You're super stuff, passionate and involved and you are, you are definitely, um, if you are looking to reach out to Chris directly, he has a strong online presence, so you will have no problem finding him. Um, and also, hopefully, you've gotten to know him very well from this podcast today. I certainly have, and I've loved speaking to you, Chris. Um, I want to thank you for your time. You will be hearing more about Filmio on Parlay Me. Um, we're going to have articles. Um, you're going to see a lot of their um, content and whatnot across our channels. So stay tuned. And I just want to thank you again, Chris, and also Ian for both your time today. It's been absolutely brilliant hearing your story. And I wish you all the best with your with the launch of your platform. It's super exciting. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. This is probably my favorite podcast interview I've done. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> thank you. It's been, Good. It's been fabulous. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoy I really enjoy what I do. And I can't wait to share it with our audience and everyone listens. So thank you again. And yeah, we'll speak to you very soon, hopefully again. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you, Chris. Thank yep. you, Ian. Thank you. Bye-bye.